You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Kate, we're talking about diversification and it's titled The Building Blocks of Diversification. What an episode. Yes, very excited, Owen. Welcome. So what's this episode about? So we wanted to talk a bit more about diversification because we probably mention it in every episode and maybe we don't explain what we mean by it too much so we're talking about mixing different asset classes different fund managers everything together to hopefully reduce your risk in your investments by not having all your eggs in one basket well that's it thanks for tuning in folks that's the end of the episode (laughs) not putting all your eggs in one basket yes that's uh, everyone tells you right want to buy it want to put all our investments in broom at the moment so yeah not in broom is that broom in are you talking about broom is in wa yeah yeah was it, is there an etf called broom no no i'm just okay. thinking like brooms <laughs> like is in the household items but okay cool so yeah, why don't we yeah. actually um why don't you actually give us the finance definition of what diversification is so we're spreading out our investments across multiple different places so not just asset classes fund managers um, different countries different currencies to help reduce the risk of our portfolio okay so let me get this straight you're telling me that i can't put all of my money in gold no ah, some, right. would, some would argue gold is part of a diversified portfolio mm-hmm. but not all of it no okay so by not putting all our money in gold we aren't fully exposed to that one asset class. So if suddenly gold loses value, hopefully not our entire portfolio goes down with the ship. Okay. So if we maybe have some 
money in silver. Okay. A little bit of diversification, but still the same asset class. So not full diversification. Okay. So you're getting some of the benefit of having something else in the portfolio. Yeah. Okay. What about like uh, correlation? What do you know about it? Well. Put you on the spot. Does gold go up when stocks go down? Historically, it has seemed likely to do so. Mm. So that's the benefit of diversification. You can potentially get two things that go in opposite directions. Yeah. So you're trying to look for some assets that aren't completely linked together. So not putting all your portfolio in stocks that are within the healthcare sector. Because if that has some trouble or if there's new regulations, then everything may be affected in the same basket. Okay. Cool. Um, another one that people would, I think underestimate is like when they have, let's say, all of their investment properties in one suburb, mm. and that suburb floods, or you know the suburb turns well, out it's a built fire. on quicksand. Yes, yes, that's it's probably more likely, likely than my quicksand example. But yes, bushfire. If you have all of your houses in the same suburb in the same bushfire prone area, and there's a bushfire. What that is, is we call that like, that's just like ultimate risk. You're putting, mm. you're putting too much risk in one specific area. And that's why academics call it specific risk. Yeah. So it's like a risk that is specific to one thing, but if it affects more than one thing, then you're, you're not capturing diversification. So diversification won't stop that suburb being hit by fire. But what it will do is if you've only got one house in that suburb, the other nine won't be affected if you have mm. 10. So that's what diversification does. It lessens the risk, but also means that if you still own 10 properties, you can still make a decent return. In yeah. other words, um, what we're trying to do here, and this is a wonderful quote, Kate, and it comes from this website called restfinance.com. Yes. And it says, diversification narrows the range of return outcomes, but it doesn't necessarily lower the expected return. So you get, I guess, there's that saying that you can't do better than your best investment, you can't do worse than your worst investment. So it's like that's the opportunity. Mm. But with diversification, you don't necessarily have to give up all the best returns. You just lower some of the downside returns. So some of those risks on the downside, if that makes yeah. sense. Okay. So let's talk about the different types of diversification. You've mentioned some of them already. You mentioned one about fund managers. Can you explain what you mean? Yeah. So I think if you're investing in managed funds or exchange-traded funds – One thing to be careful is you don't have every single exchange traded from from the same provider like Vanguard or BetaShares. You have a mixture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and with fund managers as well, some of the big ones in Australia have 10 or 20 or 30 different funds. Um, So don't put all your money in the same. So you might have it in different funds. You might have a global fund and an Asian fund and an Indian fund. So, But it could be still run by the same overarching company. So you're still not diversified fully there. And the same thing if you're letting one person manage your entire portfolio, then you, you've got the risk that they can get it all wrong. And or they get hit by a bus. Yeah, and that's sort of a key man that risk sucks. there. Yep. So you're sort of spreading the load between different companies, different managers, and sometimes you think a company is really diversified and they might go into administration. So that has yep. happened recently in Australia where... They were invested in completely different products. So you, it looked very diversified, but the fund manager went kaput. Just name them. Blue Sky. Yep. They just, yeah. <laughs> you can Google Blue just Sky. trying to be a bit polite here, Owen. Yep. But, uh, um, no, I'll name them. Right. So it just happened to be Blue Sky. And they've, um, they've pretty much, you look at the share price chart, Blue Sky has gone up, 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 up. And then 
Yeah. Bang. But you'd think they were very diversified. There you would, because it's like an alternative investment. There was water, there was building, there was venture capital. It was like a bit of everything. It looked great. Yeah. Yeah, but um, the, the risk there was if you put all of your money with Blue Sky, even though it looked different from all the things that yeah. you're getting, you're um, actually only one fund manager. Okay, yeah. what about if you diversify across asset classes? Yes. That's... What's an asset class? Okay, so going back to our gold and silver, mm-hmm. I think they're one asset class. And what's that called? I don't know. Commodities? Metals. Commodities. <laughs> Metals. <laughs> yeah, it's the okay. same thing. Okay, know. what might be another asset class? Um, we might be Australian equities. So shares. Australian yep. shares, we're talking CBA, Telstra, all those mm-hmm. Australian shares. Um, another one? Australian property. A property. Another one? And then often Australian infrastructure. Sometimes that's separate, sometimes the same. Okay, like big projects. Yeah, warehouses, buildings, mm-hmm. student accommodation. Uh, international, you can get international... Specifically, if you're looking at specific markets, you can target like India, emerging markets, Australia, um, what am I saying? US. US. Um, Or you might, you could go all world uh, and then you can get property over there too. So you could look at investing in property and infrastructure overseas. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all separate. So not completely correlated with each other. So US might be doing really well. Australia might not be. Mm-hmm. Another good one, bonds. bonds. Don't forget about bonds. Or yes. cash. Cash. Cash, another good one. Yes, cash is often a core component of most diversified portfolios. And mm-hmm. um, just maybe that's your emergency fund, but it might actually you might actually set an amount of your portfolio to be in cash. Uh, what else? I think you've touched on the major ones. So we've got different types of like fund managers. You wouldn't want yeah. to have it all in one. Um, different asset classes, um, like different... Um, types of investments if you like and then different markets as well yeah so not only australian property but international property i think you make a good example of you know even though if you own a home you can still invest in property in other ways mm. we've talked about reits we've yeah. talked about um listed listen, investment trusts so. yep, listed investment companies and what about in, in terms of cash also different countries yeah yeah you can currencies. use like, so yes, us you can, dollar us and... dollars you can use etfs to invest in us dollars um, to invest in euros, whatever. Mm. You don't have to go down to your travel X and pay like 4% commission just to get some <laughs> um, Benjamin Franklins. So what about, let's just go all in and let's, so people at home know what we're talking about. What's an example of bad diversification? Okay. Or no diversification? Uh, you've bought one apartment and you have a $500 micro investing portfolio. Okay, so you've got your only investments, you have two, you got a $300,000, $500,000 apartment. Um, and you've got 500 bucks in uh, uh, yeah. micro-investing yeah. account. Okay, so that would be really bad because like 99% of your wealth is in property. And one single property as and well. One single property. Okay. What, what's another bad type of inv- – or what's in diversification gone wrong? What's another example? Uh, maybe too far the other way. You've got like 80% of your portfolio in cash and you're in your 20s. And maybe the other 10% is in bonds and 10% is in shares. Okay, so you got like 50 grand and you put like 40 grand of that in cash and the other 10 is like invested. So you, what you're, you're missing out on all the opportunities yeah. that are in front of you. Okay, cool. Um, I might throw a third one in and say, and this is one that I see a lot in Australia. Um, you have someone that's working in a particular industry, kind of mm. like property or uh, they're working for a particular company and they're getting shares in that company or they work for the company. So basically their income is tied to that one particular yeah. industry. 
Then they're also making it their number one asset. So they own a home and that's their biggest asset um, or the company. You know, they might buy shares in the company that they work for. Yeah. They might, you know, be a partner in the business. And then they also go one step further and they also invest back into that industry. So they might have an investment property. So a carpenter who works in the industry, owns a home, invests in property. Yeah. I see a massive risk there mm. that something happens to property. They lose their job. The house goes down in value and they can't pay off their investment property, mm. which is falling in value. Same thing like we saw Enron, which is this huge, huge company in the US. And that was a really good example. People would work for this company. Then they would get shares in the company uh, as part of like, their retirement. And then um, they would go and buy shares in their own brokerage account in their own company. And then the company went bust. So they lost yeah. their pension, lost their income lost their assets mm. really bad but people don't think about that diversification in like the personal finance sense they yeah. only tend to think about it like in a portfolio yeah but like it applies to you, all walks are life. you working in the healthcare industry and you're just only investing in healthcare companies yeah maybe There's, you understand it you have a point of difference there and in investing there but also you're tying a lot of risk to your investments and in the same industry as you work in yeah and so this is as we'll get to in just a moment it's not all one or the other right it's not all like you must have um, a certain amount of investments or you must not have that many and we're saying like it's a fine line between um, using what you know and having an expertise in a particular industry and taking advantage of that and then also having I guess the humility to be like okay I could be wrong about property I could be wrong about the share market mm. I could be wrong about whatever it is and just placing some emphasis on some other investments yeah and you might be completely right about a sector but it goes through a rough patch so mm. by having a diversified portfolio even if one of your bets is taking a long time to pay off you've got a bit of stability through another part mm -hmm. yep good one okay so what's do you have any examples of good diversification or what someone might do so i guess one of the things i heard a lot especially for older people is invest in your age in bonds Okay. So if I'm like 80, 80% of, if I'm 80 years old, 80% of my portfolio should be in bonds. I guess for a young person, that's pretty irrelevant. I mean, right now I don't want 21% of my portfolio in bonds. Okay. You're showing your age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think personally bonds are pretty boring, but I guess investing is not supposed to be that exciting. Yes. Sometimes the best way to get rich is to just do it uh, slowly. And bonds would be fitting that bill right now because they don't return much at the moment um, because interest rates are so low around the globe. Mm. But they play an important role in diversification in the sense that they tend to move in the opposite direction to share prices, at yeah. least the high-grade government bonds. Yeah. Um, so we'll get, I'm sure we'll do an episode on bonds in mm. the future and you'll, you'll be just in love with the episode because it's that exciting. Yeah. But no, seriously, <laughs> it's not. But anyway, just remember this that if you get high-grade bonds, like in an ETF or through a managed fund, you typically get, don't buy them yourself, you can tend to get some sort of counteract yeah, um, in, the, in the pricing And movements. they often balance your portfolio yeah. out. So in my, I, have a, I do have a small amount in a, a bond ETF um, in my portfolio. And so in December, when the market went down around 10%, my portfolio definitely did not do that. And I think it was partly the cash and the bonds helped balance it out yeah that's right you might if the market falls 10 percent, you might only fall nine percent even though it might not sell that much you're actually yeah. outperforming by one percent so then when you have a look at your portfolio it's not as much of a shock as everybody else because it's all diversified it's blended together and i mean you don't feel mm. the 
the losses as hard if you look at it as an entire picture instead mm. of the individual. Oh, yes, that might have gone down 10%, but that went... So bonds typically might go up. If they went up 5%, that sort of balances it out a little bit. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so that's um, so an example of good diversification. And probably the simplest one, like you said, is just your aging bonds and high-grade bonds, not just um, any old bonds, but you'll get them... You'll. I'm sure you can Google bonds and what they are, um, and we'll put some links in the show notes. But yeah. um, the the common portfolio um, that is tested for a diversified portfolio is this thing called a 60-40 portfolio, which is 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Mm-hmm. And if you go back over a very, very long period of time, that uh, allocation to stocks and bonds tends to outperform a portfolio that might be 100% shares over a 10-year period Mm. and that's simply because over that 10-year period you can expect something to go wrong and that's where the bonds kick in but in all the other times the shares tend to look better Mm. so uh, a 60-40 portfolio is kind of like the I guess like the the model for a diversified portfolio I'm not saying that that's right for everyone but it's just an example of yeah and it's interesting having a look at different fund managed webs fund managers websites even having a look at some of the robo advisors if you're trying to figure out Yep. A, a diversified portfolio they often give you their examples of their conservative balanced yep. core growth high growth portfolios um, and you can actually sort of see what do they think is the best mix there is it 90% uh, aggressive investments and 10% conservative for a high growth like you can have a look there and you can typically get an idea of what exchange traded funds they use to make up that model and figure out something that works for you but it, it's sort of a starting point of do I want to be a conservative three to five year term investor? Well, maybe I should think about having this much percent in fixed interest, mm-hmm. more conservative asset classes. Yeah, exactly right. And we'll be we'll provide links to all of those as well. Yes. Um, so, another good one is Vanguard, for example, or yeah, like they, any of the big ETF providers. They'll have they have growth the options, breakdowns. defensive options. Even your super fund will have examples as well. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The super quite a few super funds I've had a look at do have sort of life stage where it actually mm-hmm. just changes automatically yeah. as you get older. So it might start off with 10% in bonds and fixed interest, and then the time you're 80, it's like 80%. Yeah, so, so they call it, yeah. So that's called life cycle, and um, that used to be a very popular thing. It's not mm. so much anymore, but, yeah, that was kind of like a workaround for the default options that, for people that didn't have any idea where the super was invested. That was kind of like the default option. Yeah. Uh, it's changed a little bit since then. It more goes with like this just all-around def- uh, diversified option. Mm. Okay, so... Let's talk about some pitfalls of diversification. We kind of know what it is. It's this thing where you don't lose as much, but you may not gain as much in the great times, but over time it tends to work out for the best. Yeah. So the thing is, it doesn't always work. And when we talk about diversification, we won't get bogged down the details, but there's two types of risk um, that we typically see in share markets or in any types of market uh, of markets. And um, one of them you can't get rid of with diversification. And that is pretty much the market crash. Yeah. If you see a market crash, you can't avoid that. People will try and convince you that they can with all these um, wonderful things. Even if you need to know what one, some of those wonderful things are, go, go listen to the Australian it's Investors like the, Podcast. the octopus that like predicts things. Yeah, that's it. It's like Paul the octopus. Um, it doesn't always work. So you will, you will still experience bad times. Mm. Diversification, they say, is one of the... It's the only free lunch in investing, but it's also like... it. It isn't perfect. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I often hear experts say for a share portfolio, this is just purely for a share portfolio, it's a, is that it, it is a race to 30 stocks. Mm-hmm. So the quicker you can get to 30, the better. And I'll explain why in just a moment. But I think that's true for a beginner. You don't want to put all your 
ten thousand dollars in one yeah. stock that's especially you if you're learning and making those mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make small amounts of money and we want to learn. Mm. And our, we want our mistakes to be minimized. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so the race to 30 stocks, yes, if you're a beginner, but nowadays you have low-cost ETFs and you have so many things that you can diversify almost instantaneously. Mm. So you can chuck 500 bucks in one of them, for example. So those are probably a better way to do it. Um, you can also over-diversify. And so this is my, my point, being an individual share investor, is that... If I have an idea, let's say I have 30 ideas and I rank them from 1 to 30, I'd rather put money in my best idea than put it down into my 30th. Mm. But the difference between the race to 30 and this is that uh, if you know what you're doing and you comfortably, yeah. you can say to yourself, I understand the risks, I know what I'm doing, um, I'm, I'm happy to have a concentrated portfolio. And so the reason why i draw these two things uh these two examples of for the more advanced and for the beginner is that studies have shown that when you get to 30 diverse investments so investments that don't work in exactly the same way you can lower almost all of the risk for a for a portfolio yeah that can be so all of the benefit that you can get from a diversified portfolio i'd say there'd be a risk in having more than 30 i mean how do you manage that yeah it gets it's like yeah, you it's end just up just like making mistakes yeah, totally. How can you keep track of it all? Totally. And so there's another study, and I can't remember who wrote it. I think it might have been Archer 1972 or something like that. Mm. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, have found that if you have 10 positions that aren't correlated to each other, so they don't all move in the same direction at the same time, you can remove about 70% of the, the risk by holding 10 positions. Mm. So 70%, 10 positions. But they can't all be the same. Yeah. Right? So that's the whole point of this. So... I've done some studies in the past and found that the best investors tend to have very concentrated portfolios. And by that, I mean they hold between 10 and 30 positions, not 30 and 400 like some of them do, which I think is crazy, like you said. I mean, but the large fund managers have such large portfolios. True, they do. But at the same time, it wouldn't matter if you're investing $10 billion or $100 million. Yeah. You should... Don't get involved with more than you can yeah. remember. It's often easier to manage a smaller amount of money. Yeah, it well. totally is. Yes, absolutely. So those that's what, like my share portfolio definitely isn't thirty. I don't have mm. thirty, but um, you know, horses for courses. Yeah. Or courses for horses, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely a case of what may be right for someone isn't necessarily right for someone else, and that's probably to do with where you are on the knowledge curve in terms mm. of your. And I guess ETFs are quite interesting as well because they're sort of like, if you get the ASX 200, it's sort of uber diversified. You're Straight getting away. all of Australia. Yeah. And then um, a lot of people are actually, that want to invest in individual stocks are sort of using exchange traded funds as their core. Yeah. So they might have their exposure to bonds and Australian equities, international equities. So that's all sort of dealt with in the center of the portfolio. You get pretty much every company and you don't have to really worry about it. And then you pick, your select winners and put them around the outside of that core and mm. i guess that that reduces the risk that one of your ideas is a complete flop yeah the core satellite approach yeah yeah it's a really good one so yeah you I mean, can build that's... that core portfolio and then go ahead and experiment around the outsides um okay so i think yeah i think there's a video of that but uh i won't get bogged down in that so what's an example of say a younger person that you know what's a how would you say a younger person could be diversified i think uh especially when you're getting started and maybe you only have a thousand dollars uh i think maybe the best way is to start with that sort of core approach yep and maybe 
starting with Australia and then branching out. And there's ETFs, mm-hmm. like we know the one from Vanguard that actually provides all in one. Yeah. Like the ETF is got, it has, um, it's high growth. It has international Australia property, fixed interest bond. It's like everything in one little package. Yeah, so, and it's low cost too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so start, especially if you've only got $1,000. If you're picking, if you're wanting to pick shares, if you spend your first $1,000 buying one share, then that is like complete zero diversification because you're just exposed to one sector, one stock, one country, one currency. So there's a there's a risk there if you're just starting with one stock. I think definitely if you're young and getting started, building that little core up and then starting to go from there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I would just say for also for people, like let's, I would say the perfect, like if I was thinking about a financial plan, hmm. everyone's different of course, but I would think like you've got a house, you've got a mortgage, so don't go and invest in property if you, that's if your number one asset is already yeah a property don't put all of your eggs straight away in that one basket so i'd say house with a mortgage keep paying that mortgage down get ahead if you can because that will save you a lot of money in the long run yeah um once and obviously goes without saying to have a cash buffer which we've always talked about and all those things go back to the first 10 episodes um then I'd say start with things like ETFs or index funds and, you know, get that up to respectable size, 10, 20,000 before you start buying individual shares. Mm. And you can use those ETFs to also invest in things like bonds, which we talked about, different currencies. Yeah. Um, so start with those things and just build out from there. Um, and then once the mortgage is paid down in 10 years, you can use the equity and then invest in another property. Mm. So you don't have to have all the property straight away and bank on yeah. negative gearing and all these things that sound wonderful these get rich seminars i mean if you're paying off two mortgages it probably is quite difficult to put money aside into investing in other asset classes it's true it is but just that's the good thing about shares and etfs and all that you can start with 500 bucks yeah yeah okay so the differences with that and say someone that's nearing retirement might be that they have more bonds Mm. um they probably have already established a property maybe paid off one um i would say have more cash so maybe one to three mm. years of living expenses because as you transition to super, that's a very risky time. We've talked about this. Um, but also don't have too much cash or too many bonds, too much bonds because what you'll find, as we alluded to earlier on, is that bonds aren't yielding a great deal. So what mm. retirees 10 or 20 years ago could retire on, you know, that 5 or 10% yield. I mean, when cash was paying 15% interest. When cash was paying 15% interest, oh, you could the, have 20%. The life. You 20%. didn't even have to be an investor back then. You That's it. You could just put it all in a term deposit. But now it's different. So you might have to take a slightly, Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say more risk, but you could You could, I mean, probably uh, have to take slightly yeah. more risk if you want to achieve that income equivalent. I mean, over the near future, it looks like bank interest is coming down, if anything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, it might be more... 50-50 uh, as you approach retirement mm. with more cash and a property for the yield. Um, okay. So final thing, which is kind of like a warning. So just please remember that uh, even though we talk about diversification and all these different strategies, is that you can no one can guarantee a return. No mm. one can guarantee that a 60-40 portfolio, for example, is going to be the best or that gold will go up when shares go down. If they are guaranteeing you these that. things, run away. Yes, yes, run away. Kate has um, kindly put together or found a table that we can use, which will be in the show notes. Yes, from my favorite Money Smart website. Oh, the Money Smart website, lovely. So um, you'll find that in the show notes. Uh, remember to always read like PDSs and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, I'd probably just recap on this episode if I can. Uh, if you are new, 
consider diversifying with like ETFs, keeping a cash balance. Um, try and get to 30. If you're in- investing in shares, you might consider getting up to 30 or just getting as many as you can. Yeah. Don't put all of it in one share idea. If you're a bit more advanced, you can afford to take more risk. Um, also consider how your income aligns with the investments that you're making. So investment properties, work in the construction industry, that's just a classic example yeah. of how things can go wrong. So that's all I've got to add. Yeah, and Anything we're talking else? about using diversification for building wealth over a long term yep. time. So good point. Diversification over a short time might not be as good. So you might underperform the the share market because you've got more invested in bonds. But over the long time, yeah, you're looking for that smoothing out of the wealth journey. Yep, wonderful. That's good advice. Um, the old thing is don't worry about getting rich quick. Just worry about getting rich. Take out the quick. Mm. Um, okay, so how can people get in contact with us? Uh, or if you? you have any questions, please reach out. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at HowToMoneyAustralia and www.HowToMoney.online, and that'll be in the show notes. Yep, sure will. And you can ask questions on the Rask Finance website, where you'll also find the sh- uh, show notes, so raskfinance.com. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Owen Rask. Um, yeah, we, we answer questions once a month, so yes. be sure to send us in your questions and any feedback you might have. And we look forward to getting you on the show next episode. Awesome. All right, thanks for joining me, Kat. Thanks, guys. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? Invest Smart can help. InvestMart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestMart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.